we have all kinds of things where we are blessed by how God has provided and given us provision. And, and believe me, this is not meant to be a put-down. This is more about a reality check. God blesses us in many different ways, but yet here we are looking at this one thing that we don't seem to have. And all of these responses are normal, fleshly responses because we are in the flesh. If we weren't in the flesh, we wouldn't have those responses. But here we are. So let's look at this more closely. Rescued from Egypt, daily provided for, why were they so miserable? Surrounded by God's provision, they were miserable because they didn't receive it. Now I italicize that on purpose. Because I want you to see that even though God provides for us, We still have to receive it. We still have to acknowledge it. We still have to recognize it for what it is. A provision. And understand something too. God gave them manna. Knowing full well that some would appreciate it for what it is. And that some would not appreciate it for what it is. Have you ever gotten something provided for you by God where you didn't really appreciate it for what it was? Now, if you are being honest, every person in this room would raise their hand. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Yes. Well, you raise your hand anyway, but okay. But every person in this room has received provision from God, but yet didn't receive it for what it was. Many times we miss his provision because of the things that are going on in our lives where we just don't see it for what it really is. And you may have to come back later on and say, oh, he really did do that for me right then. Let's continue. They may have eaten, but they didn't take it in. Acknowledge it for what it was, God's kindness and grace. You realize that every time God provides for you, it is a reflection of his kindness and grace. Do you also recognize that God doesn't have to do anything? but yet he is still God. He doesn't have to do anything. And yet that doesn't change who he is. He's still kind and he's still gracious. He still will bless. He still will do things. God blesses people who don't know him. True or false? Absolutely. He blesses people who don't have a relationship with him. So it's up to us, though, to see it for what it truly is. Those miserableites were consumed with misery, bitterness, and hopelessness and thought that if God cared, he would have provided what they were looking for. You know you have to be miserable if you want to go back into slavery and get the food that you were getting when you were a slave. And yet here you are free. You've got to be miserable. To even have that type of conclusion. And yet, here they were. We used to have cucumbers. I'd rather have the manna than a cucumber. We may also may think God doesn't care because we miss his provision. We can be consumed by what we don't have even though we have something. We don't notice his compassion and faithfulness. 
To experience God's care, we must receive his compassion in whatever portion and form he chooses to express it. And understand something, whatever portion he chooses to express it. Not, God, you didn't bless me the way I wanted you to. You should have given me more. This is a reality check for many people who claim to be in the faith and in the fellowship of Christ. Now, one of the challenges that I have, and my wife is helping me, God bless her, is selling my mother's house. Now, fortunately, it's not in the same condition as her dad's house was, where he had everything pretty much stacked up to the ceiling, and there was stuff you just kept going in cabinets. You kept pulling stuff out and pulling stuff out and pulling stuff out and clearing stuff. But my mom has a lot of stuff. It's a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath house. It's a big house. And so the only way that we can actually get this thing done without getting overwhelmed is by going room by room, which is the proper plan to take. Well, in the midst of all of that, we still have aches and pains and soreness and movement and all that. And, you know, she's got arthritis in her back. She'll never complain about it publicly. I'll just tell you right now. She just, she just does what she has to do to help out. But you learn what you do to, to try to keep that thing under control. Well, even in the process of all of this, we're being blessed because we have the energy to do it and we have the capability of doing it. And we're just going to go ahead and do it. And that's a blessing. And we recognize when it's time to stop and take a break, when it's time to stop and get some water, when it's time to stop and you know go to the other place, because I'm not turning the water on to use the bathroom or anything, just leaving it alone. So, but even in that, you're blessed. It's hard work. It's not easy, but you're blessed. You have to you sometimes look at the little things and see how God is blessing you. And recognize that. And we're going to go back again today and do some more work. My back is still sore from yesterday, but you know what? I'm going to suck it up and deal with it. Because I'm still blessed. It's all about your approach. Are you learning this here? It's all about your approach and receiving what God is giving to you. He wants to give you his manna as a reminder of his grace and compassion to receive it Open hands and an open heart is needed. Only open hands and not clenched fists can receive. You like that? Only open hands and not clenched fists can receive. You have to have your hands open. You have to be ready to receive his blessing. Clenched fists, all that you can put in there is just nothing happens. God truly cares. Now, how many of you believe that God truly cares about you? Amen, right? Well, this is stuff we already know, isn't it? But we also recognize that when stuff isn't going right, we sometimes even question that. And that's just being honest about who we are. It's not being, you're being dishonest if you truly are not questioning things sometimes. Questioning is good. Questioning is actually a way to help even build your faith for the future. It's a false gospel to tell people that you should not, number one, 
question God or even get upset with or even angry with God. That's a false teaching. You know why it's a false teaching? Because you're actually doing something contrary to who he made you to be. You're a person with emotion. He created you in his image. You're a person with emotion as he is an emotional God. Why would you do something that's contrary to what you were created to be? You should be questioning. You have free will. You're a decision maker. You make choices. Nothing wrong with that. Now the choices you make, we can call into question. Yes. Speak nice and loud so everybody can hear you. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. It's going to be taken care of eventually. We may not like the road that we go on to get it taken care of, and sometimes those things do happen to us, don't they? When you least expect it, sometimes those things happen. That's right. Because if you expect it, it's not a big deal. You know it's going to happen. But when you don't expect it, it does kind of throw you for a loop a little bit. But you have to circle back and say, you know what, God, this is all part of it. There have been times when we have been delayed from getting out of the house in the morning. And it causes us to avoid an accident on the freeway. I had to change my approach because I recognize that it happened too many times for me to say this is not this is a coincidence. Because God knows what I need to do, what you need to do. We, he already knows about those things. Now, it's not great for the people in the accident. Don't get me wrong. I don't like even mentioning something like that because those people are going through something when they're in an accident. And it may be a, some sort of a check that God is putting in their life about what's happening. But I have to look at it from the standpoint that God knows my route every day. He knows what's out there before I hit the road. He knows what's going on well ahead of my plans. And I can use an app that talks about where the police are and where accidents are and all that stuff, but that's not his protection. His protection is just being a covering over me whenever I'm on the road. And when she's with me and when she's not with me, it's the same thing. So we have to recognize that. And know where our help is coming from. Are there times in your life when you know that you're doing something that is outside the norm? For example, a person may use the items in the kitchen at work or in a hotel, such as plates and cups, 
and not wash them or clean after himself. Now, you've seen this. Those of you who are still in the workplace, you know, some people will bring their plates and their cups and stuff and just kind of stick them in the sink and just leave them there. Well, thanks a lot. This is not a community kitchen where you just leave your stuff wherever you want to. Others may come into the kitchen and say, who left these dirty dishes on the counter? How long does it take to clean these things and take them with you? If the behavior doesn't change, you will keep seeing dirty plates on the counter. And some of you have seen that. You just keep seeing them over and over again. Dirty plates. This person has decided to do something perceived as annoying that could easily be rectified by taking action, but fails to do so for whatever reason. It's common sense to clean up after yourself. And we know that. But yet this person's failing to do this. The same applies to how we can see God at times. If he is able to do something in our lives, such as provide healing or deliver, but doesn't take action, it can be very frustrating and cause more questions than answers. We all know who God is from the standpoint of his character and reading about it in Scripture. We've seen God provide healing through Jesus Christ. We've seen healing in the Old Testament and healing in the New Testament. We've seen him act in different ways, and it's recorded and written, and we know about it and read about it and hear about it, and yet, why isn't he acting on my behalf? We're only going by what we see. We're only going by what God's character is. And yet we ask the question, why isn't he doing it for me? Now, we have to back up a little bit and ask ourselves, what is God really doing with your situation? We have to personalize it. And understand something, when you read about what Jesus did in Scripture, sometimes there's a time frame and a time element, and sometimes there's a longer time frame and element than what we care to maybe acknowledge. It wasn't always instantaneous. And he didn't always lay hands on the person that was being healed. Do you ever feel frustrated when you consider your own circumstances? If you're waiting for God to do something, such as healing, for example, but he doesn't act, why doesn't he? Underline or check off any of these thoughts that you may have had. Now look down below at the sentences that are in italics. And you can do this on your own. You can do it right now if you want to. I must have weak faith or this wouldn't be happening. This is something you might be saying to yourself. Now, we all have weak faith at times. Some days are better than others, amen? Perhaps God is too busy to notice. Maybe I'm not praying hard enough or correctly. God must be mad at me because of sin in my life. My problems don't matter. God only cares about the big things like earthquakes and wars. 
Every one of these is a legitimate comment. It's not absurd to think these things. You had your hand up, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about that. Okay. That's a good point. That's your take, and it's a valid take that many people will have. I'm going to get over here. Yep. Okay. That's right. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to check everything on this page. I'm giving you, I'm giving you information. I want you to see this. Understand something. When you're discipling someone else and they say something like this to you, what do you say? Now, I'm going to challenge you. You're not going to say immediately that this is a faith-blocking statement. That's my point. Or a person who's new in the faith, or a per. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why we're having this class. That's right. Yep. 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 Right. I'm glad you said that. Right. They're not, they're not processing this the way you're processing it. You have to understand that these questions are coming when a person's in deep turmoil. You're a different person when you're in deep turmoil. I promise you. When I dealt with depression personally, hey, I was in the faith. I was in the word. I had been studying for a little while. So you're talking about someone who was learning the word and understanding it. And yet, you feel differently when you're going through turmoil and struggles. And I challenge you, a 50-year-old believer, a believer for 50 years will go through stuff like this too. So we need to understand that you are not the same person when you're going through difficulty. Why do you think there are psalms about depression? It's a real thing. Yeah. Okay. But I do remember that God said, I never 
Then he called Pennsylvania Charge. Mm-hmm. He began to observe me. He mm-hmm. began to break down and lie to me. Then lately, I got off the phone. Miss Betty called. Miss Betty began to encourage me and break down those lies. Then after Miss Betty, I had another friend who came down and sat with me the rest of the mm-hmm. evening. Mm-hmm. And she began to encourage me. None of them really knew, but I knew that God sent them to encourage me and break down those things for me. Because I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it yourself. Now, do you understand what's going on here? Do you understand why this is happening and why we're having this discussion? Because sometimes you can't work your way out of it. You can't snap your way out of it. But God knows your heart better than you do and knows to send people in your life. That man right there was sent in my life to help me through a rough time. And I didn't ask him. He offered. And you have to understand something. That's sometimes when we're talking about the body of Christ and fellowship, we are here to help each other through our rough times. This is what you need to see and understand. You can't always do it alone. And even though you know that you can call on God, sometimes you don't feel like it. That's what you need to understand. You don't feel like it. You don't know what's going on. You are, you're knocked out of kilter. You're, you're not able to reason as well. You have to have people talk you through these things. You had your hand up, Ed. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Amen. You know what you're up against, don't you? It's the flesh. All of these things are flesh-related. And yes, Satan knows the buttons to push in our individual lives. Now, without getting into a whole lot of detail here. Everyone in this room has been through something. We've already said that. We recognize that. And we know that. So some of us could maybe check two or three of these statements. And say, yeah, I felt these at one point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. There you go. God's timing, isn't it? I understand, but he has to do the work. That's the thing. We can't take ownership 
of how God does what he does. Many times we take ownership of something that we really don't need to take ownership of. But that's also our character sometimes, too, because we want to see good things. We want to see what's right. We want to see what happens. We want to understand why a friend of ours is going through cancer and has to do chemo and then got a, a bad infection. And, yeah, it was staph infection, yeah. A staph infection, which can kill you. And so then now we're, he's fortunately, blessings are abounding because he is being healed through that. But then he's going to have to go back eventually on to chemotherapy to heal the cancer part. That's hard to watch. And I'm sure it's hard for him to go through that. He wants to just be able to go back to work, just like anybody else would in that position. But I really believe, and I'll just say this for what it's worth, God is doing something to him in the short and long term to bring him closer in relationship. He is a Seventh-day Adventist. He was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist. So he knows stuff, but the relationship part's not really there. We're going to pray that that continues. Okay. What does Job 10.12 say about God's care for us? Let's go to Job. Bless you. Job 10.12. What does Job 10.12 say about God's care for us? Who wants to read Job 10.12? Okay. What version is that, uh, Mark? NIV. I'll read you the CSB version. You gave me life and faithful love, and your care has guarded my life. Now, we've actually used words like this as we've kind of had this conversation about God, what God does for us. His care, he is an overseer. He looks over our lives. He cares, he cares for us and guards our lives. Now, we have to look at the word, what, what kind of care is he giving to someone who is recovering from cancer? Well, you still have a life. He is still looking after you, but ultimately, what does he want to have with you? A relationship. A relationship. Because the ultimate care is when you can spend eternity with him. When Paul was speaking in 2 Timothy, he knew he was going to be killed eventually. And he recognized that. And told other people that in the letters that he wrote. But ultimately, the most important thing was that he would be with him in his kingdom. Not the fact that he was being killed. Or poured out as a drink offering, as he said. That's really the end game here. Because we already know that there is a high quality of life that some people live. A very high quality. People like us, 
and a lot of folks who struggle their entire lives. Now, why is that? All we know is that there, the poor will always be among us. Amen? But our challenge is to do what? Do what we can to help them. So that their low quality of life gets a little bit better. And that they recognize Jesus Christ. That's what we have to keep in mind here. So we see that in Job 10, 12, you gave me life and faithful love and your care has guarded my life. How does Psalm 103, 13 describe God? This goes back to this caregiver way of thinking. And God bless those people who work in assisted living, who care for the elderly and the patients. Not everybody can do that type of job. And some don't do it well, and some have to get let go, because you have to have the patience of Job to deal with people who are don't know who they are, don't know what's going on, don't know, you know, they may feel well enough to eat some days and some days they don't. My mom wanders around all the time now. She'll latch onto somebody and just follow them around because that's what she does. And she just requires that extra loving care. Everybody speaks kind words to her. They're sweet. They talk to her. She may mumble something back. She may not. But that takes a special gift to do that. Now look at this passage here in Psalm 103.13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Well, fear him means revere him. Give him reverence. He's looking for people to recognize him for who he is. And he will be compassionate with you as you seek after him. You don't need to know all the answers. You don't need to know everything, but when you came to know and acknowledge Jesus Christ as, your, as his savior for your life, that's where the learning starts to begin. He has compassion on you. He has mercy on you. He wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for you, but we also have to recognize that in a fallen world, that best ultimately is a relationship with him. That's what he wants. That's what we have to see here. That was the first bell? Good. <laughs> what adjectives does Jonah 4.2 use to describe God's character? Jonah's an interesting study. Aren't you guys doing a study on Jonah? Um, starting in the fall. Oh, boy. I, you know, I wish the guys could get into that one, but well, I'll just have to look at the ladies and say, oh, man. Yeah, well, because Jonah's a, Jonah is a fascinating study. I've said this before. Jonah knows exactly who he is talking about when he talks about the Lord here. 
Look at verse 1. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. Furious because God took the time to rescue people that he hated and that hated him. That's right. It's not about you. That's the whole point. But look at what Jonah says in verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. Even as God, the God of armies, in Jeremiah is speaking about what he's going to do to those people who are disobedient to him, one of the last sentences in some of those utterances, yet I will preserve and bring these people back. They will be my people. They deserve punishment, and he was going to punish them, But for those who would turn to him and be faithful to him, he would restore them. That ain't nothing but a gracious and compassionate God abounding in faithful love. And he is slow to anger. Amen? Amen? We know he's slow to anger. We know that when we are unrighteous, he has every right to take us out. And you know this. Because you've seen it in Scripture. But he knows the heart of the person involved, and that's why usually it ends very rather quickly for those people who are unrighteous. But yet, he's slow to anger, abounds in faithful love, and relents from sending disaster. Now, here's Jonah, who is frankly ticked off at God. That's the kind way to put it. He's not happy. And yet he knows exactly who the God is he's speaking about. Look at how he's describing God's character. These are things, as we go through this study, I want you to see, and we'll continue with the rest of this lesson next week, but I want you to see even though we're in the midst of these struggles that we might have, especially as you're counseling others, these are real things that people experience. They are real emotions that are being experienced. And yet, we need to have compassion just as Jesus has compassion for us. Amen? This is what we need to learn from all of this. Just as God sends people to talk to people. We don't always understand how it happens or why, and we don't really need to know that. We just know that, just like in your case, three people showed up to talk to you and were inspired to call you. No such thing as an accident. No such thing as an accident. These things are being done because God knows your heart, your character, understand that these things that people are expressing are real. 
sometimes you do think God's mad at you because of sin in your life. Is that outlandish? Of course not. But is it the only reason why he does what he does? Of course not. He wants you to draw near to him. That's what he wants you to see. Don't let Satan fool you. Okay. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you as you help us to open our hearts to what your word has to say to us. Thank you for showing us your character. Thank you for showing us your compassion, your grace, and frankly, your mercy. We don't understand all the things that happen to us when they happen. But Lord, we know that there is something greater. We just need to be able to see it at that time. To feel your peace and come back to you with comfort and understanding that you have remained and that you are present in our lives. We bless now the upcoming message and the speaker and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll pick up next week.